Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. I am your host, Anne I am here with Daily Mirror Royal Editor Russell Myers and we have a new royal baby to talk about, Russell. We do! Celebrations. Hello, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. I'm not going to ask how you're doing because I know you're in the wars. So <laughs> we don't need that tale of woe this week to be shed. I was going to post a picture. Basically, I've I've torn the ligaments of my ankle, and it resembles a joint of ham that have been left out. <laughs> not in one the... that you would want to eat. <laughs> left out in the heat for far too long. I think it's absolutely oh. horrific. So yeah, I'm right. in the wars. I'm in the wars. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us. It's good that this is a sitting sitting down podcast show. So we have uh, the new royal arrival to talk about. We have um, today, today, as we're recording, it would have been Prince Philip's 100th birthday. So there's a few bits of sort of um, reflections on his life and how he has been remembered as well. And then there's a little look ahead to what's to come. But let's face it, this week, it is all about one tiny small girl who has got absolutely no idea of what um, excitement and happiness and um, scandal, scandal. <laughs> Wait, let's let's not beat called. around the bush. I mean, so the, the statement came out from the press secretary for Harry and Meghan, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. It is with great joy that Prince Harry and Meghan, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, welcome their daughter, Lilibet Lily. Diana Mountbatten Windsor to the world. Lily was born on Friday, June 4th at 11.40am in the trusted care of the doctors and staff at Santa Barbara Cottage Hospital in Santa Barbara, California. She weighed £7.11 ounces. Both mother and child are healthy and well and settling in at home. Then it continues. Lily is named after her great-grandmother, Her Majesty the Queen, whose family nickname is Lilibet. Her middle name is Diana, was chosen to honour her beloved late-grandmother, the Princess of Wales. This is the second child for the couple. We also have a two-year-old son named Archie Harrison Mountbatten-Windsor. The Duke and Duchess, thank you for your warm wishes and prayers as they enjoy this special time as a family. And then they added on their Archwell website as well that they were blessed with the arrival of our daughter, Lily. She's more than we could have ever imagined. And we remain grateful for the love and prayers we felt from across the globe. Thank you for your continued kindness and support during this very special time for our family. So it is a happy thing when a new little baby arrives into the world, Russell. How did, I mean, the announcement was very different this time around compared to last time. Well, it's very, they're living very different lives, aren't they? They're no longer working members of the royal family. They're living in uh, California in a big old mansion doing, <clears throat> doing, uh, doing whatever they want to do. And it is, it has been very different, but gosh, I mean, it's been a right old ding dong this week, <laughs> isn't it? It's let's not beat around the bush. It's been, it's been a right old ding dong because it's the, uh, it's become the, the, the issue of the day of whether the Queen was told. Now, I revealed earlier this week that Harry had had a private conversation with his grandmother several years ago. We're talking way before he met Meghan, had children. And, he'd, and he had told, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, he had told the Queen about his wish to one day, if he had a daughter, to name his daughter after her. Now, whether that was Elizabeth, Lizzie, Lilibet, Lily, uh, that is unclear, but it has since emerged that there is a bit of discrepancy in the truth as to whether he did tell the Queen or whether, as a palace source told the BBC, 
she was never asked, in quotes. And it's created such a stir that Harry and Meghan have fired off a legal complaint, threatened the BBC with legal action if they are going to repeat this allegation that the Queen was never asked. And the people that I've spoken to are adamant that the Queen was not asked about the use of Lilibet before um, the announcement of the birth. Now, say what you will, but the Sussex's spokespeople are still maintaining that the Queen was notified before the announcement. And so it is, uh, it's created quite a... Um, Quite, quite, I think quite a bit, bit of a sour note after the the joyous news of uh, of the baby announcement. To be I mean, it should be. I mean, how much of this is potentially just about semantics? Because um, for sort of the immediate line of succession and such like, and people who are very close to having a chance to inherit the throne, which you know, Lily unlikely to realist realistically, even if um, Harry and Meghan hadn't made their decision to depart these shores. Um, so, you know, traditionally, the certainly the Queen's children would consult with her or sort of let, let her know what they were planning to call, call their children. I think there was certainly around um, one of Prince Andrew and Sarah Ferguson's children, there was some suggestion that it took a while for the name to be officially released because Her Majesty had not been entirely approving of their original choice. So it's like, is, is it an ask permission or is it a say I'm planning to do this and then it's essentially the Queen would say I don't think that's a good idea or I would rather you didn't rather than it being an, an exact sort of please may I have the right and honour of calling my child this so I don't know I think yeah it, I mean, it's all ridiculous let's face it, it is well <clears throat> if the, the issue is one would I mean I, if you named someone after a member of your family, you probably wouldn't ask for permission. But, you know, it's you're naming your child after the Queen of England, the, the Britain, whatever. So I, I, I think that you possibly might have to ask. I don't know. It's quite, it's, it's quite an interesting point, isn't it? But because it is really different. Like if they were calling her Elizabeth, I don't think they'd have had to ask. But I remember when I was, I mean, I was on, I was on a train on the way back from um, a picnic, which had been celebrating some friends' wedding, uh, friend, some friends who'd got married the day before we had a picnic, which was lovely. Anyway, and it's like, oh, <laughs> so my, my husband had messaged me, Harry's had the baby. And I'm like, our friend Harry, I thought he'd had his baby already. He was like, oh, that Harry. Um, this is clearly in a, in a different planet or wasn't expecting it to be quite so soon and forgetting that it was the summer and so, so then I read the um the announcement I was like oh it's, it's like oh this, this I had an immediately sort of semi-visceral reaction to the name of just that that feels like taking something from somebody else like Lilibet is such a personal and intimate and you know sort of specific name call, call, calling the child elizabeth i mean there's you know dozens of, of children called elizabeth it's really well especially in the royal family well, yeah, they've, exactly. all, they've, all, they've all got elizabeth in there now there's loads of them but it's it's such a unique name you know it is it is not something that is a common name it is very distinctively the queen's nickname you know it's the the name that she wrote on the card that went with the flowers on the coffin of her husband recently you know it's it's something that is 
what is known as within the family and I just I just felt it was I don't know taking taking a piece of the queen somehow well that's it I I mean I thought it was rather lovely um and I I love the name um but I, I can't believe what's happened this week in terms of it blowing up um they are they are you know the Sussex is adamant that the queen was told beforehand whether she was asked for permission I don't. Do you need to ask for permission? I mean, well, to a certain extent, it's you know, it's only really down to the the parents, the parents and they yeah. call their children. But things things sometimes work a bit differently in the royal family. And, you know, I was I was thinking again late like yesterday morning when I was having my shower. It's just like, well, you know, my grandpa, his nickname, like his real name was, it was known as Tony mainly by my grandmother, but that was his real name. It was William Anthony. He was known as Tony, but my dad and my uncle both called him Henry I've got no idea why I'm sure there was like you know the family legend it's like well you know it would be perfectly normal for me as his granddaughter if I had a son in the future to think about you know I could call him William or Anthony or Henry if I wanted to to remember my grandfather but Mm. it's slightly different because Henry's like a common and normal name and my grandfather is you know died quite you know 10 years ago more um so it's it's peculiar, but then I was like, well, maybe I'm being unreasonable in my sort of, um, you know, like prickling at at the way the name was um, was was chosen or sort of declared, if you like. But Lily, I think, is a lovely name. So it's my sister's name. Spelt that way or spelt no spelt spelt no completely weird. Um, L i double l double e. Oh which I don't think I've ever seen before, ever. So, rather unique. But it is a lovely name. She named after Dennis Lilly the Bowler, wasn't he like? I don't don't think so. (laughs) I I, I must ask my parents. Sometimes when dads go down to the register office to register the names of their children, (laughs) they commit all kinds of uh, highness crimes. I think that's what happened. It's not the original plan. They said, what was I meant to put down for the name of this baby? I can't remember. I I think that's what happened. He went a bit rogue when he was filling out the forms. I don't, I'm not, t- I'm, I, I may be mistaken, but I'm not, I don't think my mum was entirely aware of it. So God, God knows why, but it is a rather lovely name. Yeah, I can't remember whether it was the plan that my great grandfather, when he went down to register my grandmother's name, was meant to name her after his favourite singer, or whether that was something that he decided. Sure. By, the, by the way, by the way, our daughter's called Betty now. Um, well, I like the name Betty. Betty's a lovely name. No, it's a good one. It's making a comeback as well. So, anyway, right. Uh, our listeners have had a lot to say as well. Oh, first of all, I, so mm. I'm, not, I'm not very good on the sort of the phonetics, the way of the way of writing things. But um, there's apparently been a bit of a debate about whether it's Lilibet or Lilibet, or whether this no, it's, is, it's like a tomato tomato, and it's just about it's, how you it's say Lili- Lilibet. Lilibet. Yeah, go Lilibet. 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 Yes. Um, that's my that is my flavour for it for sure right listeners thank you so many I mean there's so many different um, comments on both sides of the debate actually and thank you for Carmen Enders for for drawing our attention to the debate about the uh, how to say it um, so lots of people on Instagram are saying that it, it's lovely in various different ways um, he definitely said I love it so adorable and kind of love that Lily and Charlotte have a similar thing going with Elizabeth and Diana very cute but I think there are quite a lot of people that are a bit like me that were just a bit like, oh, doesn't sit quite right or sort of it feels 
it's not as immediately okay this is cool um sharon ann says aside from the opinions that the name choice was a way to get back in the british royal family's good graces or show the world a link to being royal it does feel strange that they've taken such a personal nickname as a first name yes we all know the story behind the queen being called lilibet but we don't use it the name could have been lily and it is a personal matter why they chose that name that they shared with the family Super Swan was less impressed. The choice of HMTQ's very personal nickname after the way they've treated her and her life's devoted work is appallingly tasteless. I was expecting a self-promoting name, but this was beyond even my already low opinion of those two. Ooh, it's quite <laughs> presumptuous and an obvious manipulation. I'm very glad they have a healthy baby and I wish her well, but the two adults are out of line nearly all the time. Ooh. Jackie M, interesting considering they seem so opposed to royal life and traditions as well as talked negatively about the family in some interviews, but still a thoughtful way to honour those two two special women uh Paula drones it's hypocritical to say your family and the firm ignored you mistreated you and engaged in systemic racism but then name your child after the head of the family and the firm ash i mean this is i think this is sort of quite um a good summing up it this should be such a happy announcement but unfortunately again it's become a circus the audacity to use the Queen's family nickname is utterly bizarre after everything they've done in recent times to cause HM continued stress, hurt and problems and to trash the institution they hate so much. And no mention of Meghan's mum. Maximum royal, maximum drama, maximum attention. A true pattern with them, sadly. Uh, Linda Gleeson, Diana was expected, but to use the Queen's personal nickname as a first name, considering they're known for this about the royal family, is bewildering. Christine Boynton, I love that they're honouring Princess Diana, but I find the use of HM Queen Elizabeth's intimate nickname unsettling. Given their continued public attacks on the institution of the monarchy, I'm left confused by their choice. Why not simply name the child Lily Diana instead of publicising HM's nickname? Max on Twitter said, Lilibet is a cute nickname, but not one I would want on my passport, bank account, marriage certificate. Why not name her Lily and use Lilibet as a childhood nickname? I think that's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm down with that one. I think that one is a good option. Um, Nancy, very much on the Sussex side, not surprised at all the H&M hate. They could find the cure to cancer tomorrow and people would still hate them. The name choice is clearly a statement from Harry, acknowledging that he loves and deeply respects his grandmother. Like all family drama, royals or regular people like you and me, it is not a black or white situation, but very much grey area. You can love your family while simultaneously disagreeing with choices they've made in the past. Congrats to the Sussexes on the arrival of baby Lily. Sarah Beth says, despite Harry's relationship with his family, I think the name is telling of how much he respects his grandmother and obviously to honour his mother, the late Princess of Wales. Beautiful names put together from two women that little Lily would spend her life learning about. Near Susie Q, neither name seems well suited to living a normal life out of the spotlight, given the powerful women attached to each moniker. Um, in general, says Claudia, I don't like giving a nickname as a name, much less a nickname for a nickname. Said, wanted to honour the Queen, yet avoid the name Elizabeth while choosing something unusual. I think Elspeth, Scottish form Elizabeth, would have been a fun choice, especially since Archie is also a name with Scottish heritage. Alice, the name of Prince Philip's mother, would also have been pretty and cute with Archie. I was surprised that Meghan's female family members and heritage weren't represented in naming her daughter. All that said, welcome to the world, baby Lily. Uh, Julia, I don't love the whole nicknames as name things, but I think it's a sweet tribute. They made sure to communicate that whatever issues they had, that didn't involve the Queen. This is just Harry saying he loves his grandma. Hard to find anything terrible in that shrug emoji. Um, Rachel Mary, people forget that they have gone out of their ways to praise and protect the Queen amidst their, criticism, amidst their criticisms of the institution. And this tribute is exactly in line with that. I think it's a lovely name and couldn't be more perfect. 
shortening it to Lily is beautiful as well. Um, Karen Fuller, I don't like it, but I can't put my finger on why I don't. Too intimate, maybe. However, I'm glad they got two days to enjoy the news privately before announcing the birth. Looking forward to the discussion about it. Amanda Garvin, it's a nickname which is, a, which is unique to the person it's given to. I don't think it's a compliment at all. I find it's a complete reach at them trying to stay relevant and it's actually disrespectful. Kate Rumpf, um, regular listener, regular correspondent, as a few of the um, comments I've read out have been. So hello to all of you. But um, Kate's message for the last one. I truly think it's a super adorable name. I really love both their kids' names. I didn't think they could top the pun as Archie's middle name, Harrison, for adorableness, but I think they did it again. But then it kind of reaffirms how odd it is that they want to distance themselves from the firm as they see it as such a negatively impacting institution, publicly dragging the royal family, which the Queen is the head of, but continue to style themselves as Prince and Duchess and name their child after the Queen. Also neglecting her side, it would have been all the sweeter to have Doria's name included if the idea was honour the strong women in their lives. I read that Lily is to honour Doria because she calls Meghan flower, and that's sweet, but not incredibly obvious so thank you again to everybody for all of your comments and I have to say I think I think somebody interpreting that because Doria calls Megan flower and therefore the, the child being called Lily is is a reference to that I, that feels like a bit of a reach to me yeah I thought I thought that was a reach I, I was surprised that Doria didn't get you know a mention in the names I mean that wasn't that's what I've done for my children that you know you, you name them after give them names from both sides almost but maybe not Maybe that's just me. Maybe they were just like Doria Diana is a bit too too much too similar. I don't know, but it, and I think it is you know like wait, naming a child is a big responsibility. Like this is they're going to have this name for life, hopefully. Or you know it's fine. The girls may choose to lose their surname. I mean the the boys may choose to adapt their surname when they get married these days as well. But anyway, so in theory, that is your your name and I've always been very grateful to my parents for picking me one which I really like and feel fits me very well so it is you know having to work out what to name this future being who you don't know what they're going to become and it's a name that's got to work throughout their life but then those are two massive massive names to live up to and I think I, I imagine we've talked in the past like none of the children have been called Diana as a first name because it almost felt like too much. Yeah. I think. <clears throat> no, I, I was told that as well, that he did, he did toy with the idea of, uh, of you know, one day naming a daughter after his mother, but I had been sort of put off it because it was such a legacy, really. Uh, and that's understandable. I think it's, 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 you know, better suited as a, as a middle name, like Charlotte, like Charlotte. She's Elizabeth Diner, isn't she? So, she is. So, and I mean, Lily, to be known as Lily, I think that is a really, really good. Very sweet, option. very sweet name. So, yeah, I'm definitely down with the, just call her Lily, but use her as Lily, but as a nickname, sort of behind closed doors if you if you want to and make that the sort of the more private thing. But anyway, that's just me. But mainly, hooray, congratulations. Um, and it is, you know, it is nice and it is one of the differences and it is the kind of life that they wanted, that they were able to have two days of getting used to being a family of four before they released the news, the happy news to the world and un unleashed all of this um, <laughs> conversation. And there is a bit of me that just thinks, well, is part of it because there is now a vacuum, like conversation 
fills the vacuum and everyone's just got this to talk about because you know there is no there's no baby picture release so there's no prince harry coming down and have having doing that video chat about how excited he is to be a dad and greeting the horses and with all of that which is a real shame because that was such a lovely moment you remember that when he was just like absolutely beaming he didn't look like he had a care in the world and it's life is very very different now isn't it it's all rather rather sad the later photo call you know sort of um, and so, who knows? Somewhat, if, somewhat if, under duress, I think. If and when we may ever see a picture, or whether it will be, you know, the sort of stylized type pictures that we've come. A to picture of her foot. <laughs> well, that, no, I mean that. Come on, that is like standard celebrity Instagram fair little picture. Yeah, the old, the old finger on the hand on the finger. Yeah, I think. I, <laughs> Trying to think whether we've done. I'm sure at some stage we did a feature. Maybe it was best, um, like pregnancy reveals rather than, um, you know, introducing the baby pictures. But yeah, like the ways different people do this stuff is always constantly fascinating. However, um, Zoe, our friend Zoe Forsey, she uh, she did remind us that there's probably some worse nicknames that could have been given to this small child um, instead of Lily and, and Lilybet. Are you aware? I mean, no, there's a worse nickname of the Queen. I mean, it could have been an option if she'd been oh, a little cabbage. boy. Oh, well, ca- cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would have been fun. That would have been fun. I mean, that's, there's something, there is something quite nice about the sound of the word cabbage. I don't think you'd want to be called cabbage on a regular basis. <laughs> and certainly, we want to have it on your birth certificate. But um, no, um, Gary. Prince Gary. William apparently used to call because you couldn't say Granny or Grandma or whatever. You <laughs> Prince William used to call her Gary. Baby Gary. Baby Amazing. Gary. And I think that's a name that's gone very much out of fashion. Well, it's it's nearly isn't it extinct? It One was like nearly extinct. It, it's gone. It's gone. I think I remember reading something that Gary had had gone. My neighbours called Gary. So long live the Garys. I was at school with a lot of Garys I think so it's clearly of its time but um what I have forgotten to do which I did I think maybe this was when Prince Louis arrived in the space-time continuum I'm really confused we did that whole how popular the different names are so I have to have a look and see whether there were any well there's always arrived last year and and whether this is going to bring a flood of Lilibets. You never know. That's that's quite interesting, isn't it? Because when sort of celebrities have like Harper, nobody had heard of Harper, and then the Beckhams called their daughter Harper and or something like Game of Thrones. What's the Aria? That's a lovely name, but it's from Game of Thrones, and then everyone yeah. started calling their kids Aria. Also. So let's let's check back in a year. What's the date today? The tenth of June. Let's check back in the 10th of June next year and we'll see. So we'll see. Um, obviously, there were congratulations messages that came out from um, the palace. I mean, the palace one was fairly sort of classically formal. The Queen, the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall and the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge have been informed and are delighted with the news of the birth of a daughter of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Um, Charles and Camilla said, congratulations to Harry, Meghan and Archie on the, arrival, on the arrival of baby Lilibet Diana, wishing them all well at this special time. William and Kate's message. We're all delighted by the happy news of the arrival of baby Lily. Congratulations to Harry, Meghan and Archie. I like the fact that they just used Lily because that's what she's going to be known by. So they they've ado- they adopted uh, her name yeah. rather than the, rather than the formal name. I thought no, that was quite nice. For the for- I mean, <clears throat> that's because they're the youngsters, aren't they? they get- that's true. That's very true. They get it. But, uh, you know, who, kn- who knows when they will all get to meet between you know between family rows and um 
a global pandemic, which it doesn't well, make sound very easy. You know. Probably next trooping, maybe. I mean, Jubilee will there be an, Christmas, maybe? Maybe they'll come over for Christmas? Oh. I mean, you think? maybe Christmas in California rather than Christmas in Sandringham. I mean, that could well, be a the great Queen, the Queen's The Queen's not going to go to California for Christmas. That's unlikely, but a bit of sunshine and warmth. That would be lovely. I mean, they've got a big mansion. They've got, they've got space to have the family over for Christmas. I mean, that True. would be fun. Let's campaign for it now, Russell. I mean, you can... I will you, I'll campaign you, for myself. Christmas in California? Yeah. Remind it myself, yeah. Um, and it's clear, you know, so Prince Charles has been out doing his various jobs and things this week, including driving a mini off the production line and sort of, you know, reflecting. Such happy news really does remind one of the necessity of continued innovation in this area, especially around sustainable battery technology in view of the legacy we bequeathed to our grandchildren. So, you know. Did you see... In that, that mini job that he, would, he quoted Michael Caine, Sir Michael Caine from oh, the legend. Italian job. Did you see? Did you see this? No, I, haven't see, I haven't seen it. How did it go? So, no. So he drove the mini off, and then he made this speech, and he said, "Oh, it, it went pretty well. Um, at least I didn't blow the bloody doors off." Did he do an attempt at a Michael Caine voice, or did I he don't stick think with Prince Charles? I, don't, I think he stuck with, stuck with his own voice, but I thought that was hilarious oh. yeah, that he's quoting Michael Caine. He's also been on a job today, actually. I'm just looking at this now. I didn't I didn't know this. I think this is known, but I didn't know this. He's been he's been at the British Asian Trust before they embark upon a uh, Palaces on Wheels cycling event. And he's confessed to being a Burnley fan. So Burnley is in the northwest of England and is like a pretty lowly, lowly team. No offense to Burnley fans, Clarets. Um did you know he was a Burnley fan? I did not know he was Apparently a Burnley fan. Apparently, it, it is known. It is known. I've, I've checked it out. But, yeah, he's, he's a closet claret, as they say. <laughs> That's actually a headline. I didn't actually make that up. Oh, like, oh, just stealing, stealing the, the fine weapons. Yeah. Well, maybe Prince. Maybe this is why Prince William ended up supporting Aston Villa. He saw Because they play in a very similar colour, but have and to we- be somewhat more successful. And the mighty West Ham. And the mighty West Ham, the clarets and blues, the, the real, yeah, I think that's amazing. He said, "Why is he a Burnley fan?" Bizarre. We'll have to, we'll have to do. I mean, there are there are very strange reasons that people end up supporting different teams, but yeah, Burnley particularly. Well, you can imagine why Williams a sort of a Aston Villa fan, middle of the country, plum for the you know a decent team with some legacy. They've had their ups and downs, but Burnley, I mean, they've well, had more downs than ups. So William, Prince William's a similar generation to me. He's a little bit younger, a couple of years younger. But I first got into football at Italia 90. Who do you support? When my favourite players were Gary Lineker and David Platt. So after Italia 90, I started keeping an eye out for Tottenham Hotspur and for right. Villa because that was where they played for at the time. Um, so I am, I always say that I've not got a team because essentially no. if a team loses or gets relegated, it's never going to make me cry. So, but I have an affinity for Leicester City. That was the first place that I went and watched um, professional football. And that's where my grandparents lived. And that's, you know, I, we've talked about them a little bit on this show. So probably rather more partly because I do have that affinity. But I also, um, I'm married to a Cardiff City fan and got married with Cardiff City badges in my skirts as my blue. And so bluebirds. Bluebirds, the bluebirds who, um, yes, who are less successful than West Ham. So there we go. Anyway, enough of enough of the football, enough of the nicknames. Where are we? What's happening? Um, any other particular jobs? Oh, no, I just want to mention, though, uh, 
throwaway throwaway thing so no noel gallagher has had his say on the prince william and prince harry now. We, it, i mean it involved a lot of swearing but he's definitely like essentially i'm prince william and liam, liam is prince harry going off like a loose cannon <clears throat> when he said i feel william's pain having an effing younger brother shooting his mouth off his head i think there might have been another f in there as well somewhere <laughs> when i read the talk about it. it's just like anyway so you know don't um there's a lot of asterisks for you to fill in the gaps if you if you read that one but i just think i, mean, I think he called him a woke snowflake didn't he as well just like liam or something something like that anyway enough of and they I mean, Noel and Liam, they've taken their, their brotherly wars to full scale, trolling each other on, on the internet where someone posts something and then they just dig back at them in public. So, I mean, they've not gone on Oprah to do it yet, but there we go. Who knows? Right. Um, there's one other um, very cute baby thing that we should share this week, which did, was Princess Eugenie sharing the World Oceans Day. Very cute little Instagram story video of um, of her little baby boy August and his fluffy shark, and he's just sitting in one of those bouncy chairs, bouncing away, chatting to himself, and sort of you know cuddling and shaking his little shark. That was very cute. Very cute. yeah, that was really really sweet actually. Um, but also done in a sort of, you know the sort of classic can't quite can't see the baby's face. This is from behind the baby's head, so there's a degree of where that liners for these people so i think that's interesting because i think we have tended to see august back more than more than his face so anyway very interesting anyway right moving on today would have been prince philip's 100th birthday um he obviously died a couple of months ago now and the royal family are clearly still getting used to life without him Edward and Sophie did an interview at the weekend with um, Camilla Tomney in the Telegraph magazine, which is a fabulous read if you get a chance to to check it out. And they talked about, you know, still sort of expecting to see him roll up in his Land Rover and you know, kids expecting to see him appear and things. So it does take time to get used to that person who has been around for so long not being there. But the Queen has been given a rose to, um, to plant in his memory. So it's a, a new... I don't understand how roses get sort of bred together and they're always developing new ones, aren't they? And, you know, most of the members of the royal family probably end up with at least one named after them at some stage or after particular events or whatever. So this one is a deep pink commemorative rose from Harkness Roses and has um, been planted in the rose border of the East Terrace Garden at Windsor Castle, redesigned by Prince Philip in the 1970s. My favourite thing about this story, like roses are obviously lovely, but um, the Queen received the gift from the patron of the Royal Horticultural Society. So, um, so the Queen is the patron of the Royal Horticultural Society, received the gift from its president, who has got the best name, since, since this is all about names this week, for running the Royal Horticultural Society. Did you see his name, Russell? He is called I've... Keith Weed. Keith Weed! This is amazing! This is, that is my favourite story or fact of the week. It's extraordinary. Anyway, so that's that's our joy, a small, small amount of joy there. Anyway, the the important, the really actually important thing about this is that uh, donations from the sale of each rose will go to support the Duke of Edinburgh's Award Living Legacy Fund. So giving more youngsters the chance to take part in, in D of E, which will be one of Prince Philip's enduring legacies really and the the pictures of the queen out in the um in the gardens it was interesting seeing her actually because 
the last sort of out and about like, pictures I'd seen her in, you know, I was commenting about how she looked like she was dressed for Christmas in that thick red coat and all, all wintry. I thought she looked much more um, frail in these pictures, actually, partly because, you know, it's summer, summer clothing and it's all a bit lighter and a bit sort of thinner and smaller, but she, she looked more fragile. I felt oh, when I saw yeah, well, I mean, let's face I mean, it, I mean, she's 95, she does very well, but this, we sort of have that interest of like, how's she, you know, how's she getting on? Is she all right? And she did, I mean, she looked very happy to sort of be, um, be out with the roses and, and take Well, she said it was very lovely. She said it was very kind and, 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 and a lovely gesture. I'm just looking at the pictures now. Yeah, I, su- I suppose she's in a, in a, in a cardi and a summer dress, but. Yeah, she's, I mean, she's 95. I mean, to, to be fair, if I make it to 95 at all, I'll be very happy. And if I'm doing well as, as well as the Queen, just from a basic like health and, and living and, and looking point of view, I don't, I'm not expecting to have the palaces and the, uh, the titles. I can't, I can't imagine I'm going to put up that score, to be honest. I, <laughs> I can't okay. imagine. I'm, not based on your performance this week. I don't, so. I don't think I'm going to be until 50 at the, the rate I'm going. But, uh, well, you should look after yourself better, please. I know, I know. I do think that. It's important. It's important. Um, so this interview with Edward and Sophie in the Telegraph was a really interesting mm-hmm. and lovely pictures as well. Um, so it's the first time, I think, that they've done a, a sort of a joint interview like this. And obviously they spoke a lot around the time of the um, the funerals to showing the memories. But there were some interesting bits and pieces that they shared, including the conversation, I mean, we've, we talked about the conversations that may or may not have happened between the Sussexes and the, the palace about the naming of Lilibet, but Prince Edward talking about the, the time that the Duke of Edinburgh came and said to us, this was two days after he and Sophie had got engaged. Uh, Prince Philip came and sort of asked whether he Edward would be willing to become the next Duke of Edinburgh. So we sat there slightly stunned. He literally came straight in and said, "Right, I'd like it very much if you would consider that." And um, you know, Edward sort of saying it's bittersweet role to take on. The only way the title can come to me is after both my parents have actually passed away. It has to go back to the crown first. So you know, it's it's that sort of. I mean, we've talked about it with Prince Charles and the what will happen when he becomes king and he obviously only becomes king when his mother dies but that actually that Edward has a smaller amount of that alongside as well I also didn't know that Prince Philip the only he was at the birth of Prince Edward he hadn't been at the other three but the queen was like no number four you're gonna you're gonna come for this one and hold my hand it's so quite quite strange in royal circles I wouldn't one I wouldn't have imagined yeah, it is quite modern, yeah. I wouldn't have mentioned he'd be any. What would that be? How old's how old's Edward? In his late forties? Early fifties? Edward? He's like fifty-five. Oh no, Surely. I'm not, yeah, I'm forgetting how old I am. I need to add some extra yeah. years to this. <laughs> but then and then also just the sort of um similarities for them over the last year with other families as well, talking about you know visiting the Queen and, and Philip at Windsor and having to do the sort of socially distanced meetings like we used to see see them see them stand on the balcony which is about 20 feet up in the air we'd see them waving we'd shout at them they'd shout back at us it always seemed to be windy so we could barely hear each other which is you know it is that um that experience that so many families have had over the last year of you're just glad to see each other in real life and sort of be able to convey that warmth and the 
conversation is is secondary now um although sophie is saying that she thinks the virtual thing for visits is now here to stay to um not for everything well no i do i think that i think i actually know that that they're going to be doing you know a dual aspect role because whilst they still obviously want to get out and be seen and meet people there is an a great opportunity to, to be doing these sorts of Zoom engagements. Like, look at the, the menopause one that she did last week. She was speaking about <clears throat> about the menopause and um, and that got a, a tremendous pickup. And I think that worked better because it was like a conversation between people that were talking about a specific event and that, that it gave, you know, loads of content that was pondered over um, over several days, which was, which was really interesting. And I think it's... Because the royal family, they've always done phone calls, haven't they? That's always been part of their sort of circuit of duties. So maybe the virtual thing, it's somewhere in between a phone call and a visit. And it also, obviously, it, it will save on, um, on transport. So both in terms of costs and in terms of, um, of the environment as well, which obviously sometimes the, is one of the sticks that, we we and others used to beat the royal family with every now and then about how much either they're spending on transport or the way they are choosing to travel not being the most um sort of environmentally responsible always but you know zoom or other video calling uh things are are useful but also you obviously one of the things that you don't get on a phone call you can have a picture of the person one end and you can have a picture of the person the other end but you don't get the sort of feeling of interaction in the same way and obviously with the way social media is going we've seen with the um the cambridge's youtube channel which has been launching the sort of the series of hold still videos and things coming out of there the amount of content that and different sort of platforms to to share your work on that actually the virtual stuff probably lends itself quite well to being able to f- fulfill some of that because you've got automatically some some video because you can just record your little video call and edit it up nicely and, and away you go. So it's quite practical. But um, Edward, Edward seems a little less convinced about the virtual thing. Um, he, well, he finds that it works very well where you have an existing relationship, but online it's quite difficult to develop a new relationship. So we'll have to get back to doing that. And it's just trying to sort out the priorities of who and where and how. And I it's- think it's going to work quite well to, to you know, they, they, they did a remarkable job on, on the Zoom throughout the pandemic. There was an awful, awful lot of space for that. And I think it will, will continue. I'm just looking at this, um, this Edward chat he's done with CNN. Have you seen this today? I've heard a little bit about it on the radio. It's, it's very interesting. He's talking about, obviously, it was about the Duke of Edinburgh's 100th birthday, which is today. But he was asked about, you know, in quotes, the family rift, which is undeniably there. And he, uh, he then replied, laughingly, are you euphemistically referring to Harry and Meghan? And then he talks about it, saying it's very sad. We've all been there before. Weirdly, we've all been there before. We've uh, we've all had an excessive intrusion and attention in our lives. We've dealt with it in very different ways. And listen, we wish them all the best of luck. It's a really hard decision. And then goes on to talk, talk about the baby. I hope that they will be very happily. And it's just families. Families are families, aren't they, really? Which is quite interesting that he's... 
you know, one but one being Arthur and one being so candid in, in his response, I suppose. Yeah, they straight battered it a bit more in the Telegraph when I got asked whether they watched the Oprah interview and it's like, Oprah who? You know, just Well, like, I thought that was no, I, I thought that, that was misconstrued because the as Sophie was actually asked about the Archbishop of Canterbury not knowing who Oprah Winfrey was. Do you remember this? No, 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 that was two different things. Because they did, I think the, the reporter of Camilla was then just like, oh, you know, it's, no, I think she said, you know, people wouldn't necessarily know. Anyway, it, they it, they were definitely directly asked and that sort of joked Oprah, Oprah uh, who maybe in, re- in, reply, yeah. in reply and then... Um, well, that's just yeah. being having a bit of fun. Exactly, I mean, it's a good way to. to, to people need to lighten up. Well, Come Sophie on. did so, sort of reflecting on all of everything. Sophie kind of said, "We are still a family, no matter what happens. We always will be." Mm. So you know, there is that um, challenge of how to how to bring things bring things back together, and clearly there are some people within it who are probably easier to be the bridges in some of it you know so edward and edward and sophie you know so obviously been talk at various stages of kate trying to be the a bit of a mediator in things and they're not they're not sort of in the heat of the argument as such certainly edward and sophie they're they are the um you know not exactly the chorus line that doesn't really do justice to what they to what they do but they are you know, you've got William and Charles and Harry, who are the kind of key, I don't know, the sort of clashing, pinching points, if you like, in this in this family psychodrama. And and they're obviously the ones with the longest relationship, like with all the sort of family and father and son and brothers and all of that, all of that, all of that stuff that has over the course of history. For many, many people from the Bible and whatever, all, all down through time, there's always been um, challenges with with family relationships. But there we go. Um, I did enjoy also, obviously, the one of the pictures that was shared around uh, Prince Philip's death was that picture of the Queen and Prince Philip up on the up on the hills in Scotland, which was taken by Sophie, which was um, which was unusual, and it. It sounds like there might have been a funny backstory to it because uh, it made Prince Edward laugh when they were remi- reminded about it. So I remember both the place and the time. And then Sophie admitting, I think I must have been the only photographer that His Royal Highness didn't tell to get a bloody move on. So I think she must have <laughs> taken her time framing that shot just right or uh, you know what have you. So you know, it's, it's interesting that they have... Well, I guess it's part of Edward's role as future Duke of Edinburgh and taking on the Duke of Edinburgh awards that he has been sort of most closely tied latterly or sort of since Philip's death as the almost like the sort of the spokesperson around that kind of stuff. And even like Lady Louise and her interest in carriage driving, like there's, they've got that connection and, you know, having been so geographically close to them after over the last year or so and in that final time so it is it is interesting that part of them stepping up into more spotlight is not just because prince andrew still not available for work still not available for the fbi um and harry and Meghan being off the scene there is more work for them to do but also prince philip there is sort of that extra connection there that they've sort of stepped mm. into that so interesting and they they sounded, um, I don't know, 
as normal as possibly well family well i think they like. are they're, they're, they're just uh, i mean they, they, they've had the benefit of the attention not being on them but still managing to sort of go about their business i mean it's probably quite a privileged position when you're when you know you're you're in in the royal family much like Anne, it's sort of no nonsense and they, they can just get on with 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 their life without worrying about things too much. And it was very careful to mention in various places like how they realised how fortunate they were and, you know, that kind of thing, rather than taking it for granted, really, in terms of, like, the surroundings in which they live and, and how things have been over the last year for them, as opposed to how it would have been for other people who don't have, like, massive leafy grounds to go yeah. out in and such. Like. Exactly. So, so anyway, so that was a very welcome thing to see them chatting about, about things. I think it would be... Yeah. They'd probably be good fun at a dinner party, I think. I think so. I think they'd be good, good dinner party, yes. Good, you know, um, good people to, to for your, your kids to be friends with their kids and go around for the, uh, for the summer barbecues would, would be good. But anyway, right. What is coming up, Russell? What do we have to look forward to, virtual or real life or otherwise? What can I tell you about? Uh, well, I can tell you that the Prince of Wales is hosting some CEOs from the world's leading companies at St. James's Palace in preparation for the, the G7 leaders meeting. That sounds a boot. Um, that is going to be happening on Friday. What day is it today? Today Thursday. is Thursday. And so, and obviously the G7's coming up. We know so that the G7 the, uh, is pretty much, well, yeah, from tomorrow. It's starting today, but um, it's, all, so, it's all going off. And on Saturday, uh, well, Sunday, sorry. On Saturday, we've got Trooping the Colour, which is going to be quite interesting to see. It's a bit of a bit of a scaled-up version from what we saw last year. Obviously, Queen's cousin, Duke Kent, is going to be accompanying her. I think they're the horses from the Household Cavalry returning, so it's going to be a bit more it's of a spectacle. It will, be be- it will be better, bigger and better than last year, and then sort of a precursor to the hopefully the big old platinum jubilee celebrations which we haven't touched upon did we did we speak about that last week that was the whole thing we spoke about last week russell oh, that was the I, mean, thing I, we talked I don't about. even i don't even know clearly it was very is. memorable Today's, for you i don't even know what day it is to be honest so uh and then on, on sunday the queen is meeting joe biden and uh first lady jill biden at windsor castle so that is going to be very very uh, uh well picture wise very historic well, bonus points. Bonus points if you, carefully. Bonus points if you know who, uh, what presidents the Queen has met in recent years. And years. Go on. Try. Try and. Pretty much all. Get... I think we did this. We've done this before. Pretty much all of them. There's only a couple that she's not seen. But uh, although some of them, it's whether they've been here or whether she's been there. So Trump, 2018, and she'd met him twice. I think, wasn't she? Uh, the Obamas. The Obamas. When do you think that was? Oh, I'm terrible with dates, Russell. Don't I mean? I don't. I just see it in pictures. I would. Have, I would have said picture a of Michelle Obama, you know, giving the Queen a, a bit of a yeah. hug. That was, 20, was 20, a stir 2016. I would have thought that that was a lot a long time ago. And then the Reagans in 1982. Gosh. She's met 12 out of the 14 serving US presidents during her reign, hmm. with President Johnson being the only one not she hasn't met. Interesting. Anyway. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Well, Trooping the Colour is clearly going to be a bit of a do because the BBC set aside an hour and a half for watching it on their Saturday schedules. So 
they'll be you know it will be covered that will be exciting um and i think it's been it's been more charles and camilla really out and about this week hasn't it well william and kate recover from half term they've done a lot charles and camilla and they, they've done an awful lot there's uh, camilla's been at some she was at the reading DNA this, with Darcy Bustle. She, she was at the and things. doing she silver swans. And she's been at the Garden Museum in London today to open the annual British Flowers Week, looking at all the very, very uh, pretty flowers. Very nice. And she was somewhere earlier in the week as well where she'd got a massive cake. So I'm a big fan of the return to pictures of Camilla and massive cakes, which was a bit, <laughs> of, a, which was a, bit of a thing a while back. But you know, it's harder for, um, you know, sometimes people sharing food and things is a bit harder in these, in these funny times because we're all still being quite careful. We're waiting to find out whether the rules are going to change and what's going to happen and whether that will make things a little bit easier to be out and about. But at the moment, it's still... Little, well, we'll not call it little trooping. It's the Goldilocks and the three bears. This is a medium size mummy. This is probably mummy bear size trooping rather than next year's daddy bear size trooping. But um, anyway. I like the analogy. You like that? Um, Obviously, there's still the hold still videos that are coming out on on the Cambridge's YouTube. So there's bits. I think we've had the last one yesterday. That's it. All done. That's it. All done. We've called Daddy, Daddy Be Careful or... Daddy, stay safe yesterday. That was, the, that was the last one. So we'll see what they do on their YouTube channel next. I mean, I think it was probably a good and um, I'm sure strategic move to use those as the launch. You know, they launched their YouTube channel and they had a good stream of stuff to put on it to, to start them off with. But now, done that, what are they going to do next? We'll have to keep an eye out. So, Russell, we shall look forward to catching up with you again soon and with the latest... Um, Royal, hopefully excitement rather than frown. Oh, there's going to be lots of excitement. I think the G7 is going to be really interesting. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, that's, going to, that's going to be super, super, super lots to talk about. Yes, definitely. Um, down in, so the leaders are meeting down in sunny Cornwall. So mm. it's excellent. So look out for that. Um, listeners, thank you for joining us for, for our run through the Royal news and for sharing your thoughts with us as well it's great to be able to um, share so many of them today i hope you enjoyed hearing from your fellow listeners as well as from russell and me and we'll be back very soon but stay safe stay well and until next time save the queen